You're listening to the Nonprofit Buildup Podcast, and I'm your host, Nick Campbell. I want to support movements that can interrupt cycles of injustice and inequity and shift power towards vulnerable and marginalized communities. I've spent years working in and with nonprofits and philanthropies, and I know how important infrastructure is to outcomes. On this show, we'll talk about how to build capacity to transform the way you and your organization work. Hi, everyone. It's Katie, Buildup's Manager of Global Operations. This week on the Nonprofit Buildup, we are continuing with the recast of one of our very first episodes of the Nonprofit Buildup. This week, you will hear the second part of Nick's conversation with Susan Burton, a leader in the criminal justice reform movement, founder of a new way of life reentry project, and outspoken voice to end mass incarceration. You can jump back to part one of the conversation to learn more about Susan's story, major accomplishments, and the transformational work of a new way of life reentry project. But with that, let's dive into the second part of Nick's conversation with Susan Burton, where they discuss a new way of life's direct services, policy work, and so much more. A new way of life provides. So you have 18 months to get your children back, or they can be adopted out, and that is permanent. You lose all parental rights to your children. And the thing of it is, is that there's no recourse for mothers to after the adoption happens, it's final. So I have women come home from prison, Nicole, and they go to try to find their children and they find out that their children are gone. And I saw women who have came home from prison and did everything that the judge had to do in order to get reunification services, in order to get uh, reunited with their child. And at the end of the day, the judge will say, Unification denied. Child is put in placement. And I'm like, what is this? And that mother has no recourse to object to that judge's decision. I watched a movie. I think it was 12 Years a Slave. And there was a scene in there where the woman was begging the master not to sell their child. And if fast forward today, Women are pleading with the judge to give them their child back, to reinstate their parental rights. And he says no, and they have no recourse. So I see it as a, like Michelle Alexander writes, the new Jim Crow, the transference of those practices and policies embedded in our, in our judicial system, in our legal system, and threaded with the practices of slavery. Yeah, it's like, it just renders me speechless, but it also, in the same breath, I, I know that there's so much that we have to say about it because it just feels wrong and it is wrong. And just even from having this conversation, this is a really, you know, heavy topic. And so you're doing this day in and day out. And so is your team. How are you all able to stay positive, keep hope, keep fighting on behalf of these women. When you've seen, as you mentioned, like different stories where you can do everything right and you still are not united with your child. Like how are you able to keep pushing forward and how do you encourage your team to keep doing that so that they can continue to work with the women in these situations? We don't just have 
the struggles. We have wins through the struggles that are very, very encouraging. Wins are important, small and large. We've made progress. I started a new way of life from my savings from a minimum wage job over 20 years. So there's been so much progress from then to now. But to not keep fighting is to say that I'm going to surrender to what it is. And surrender would be like death, like a emotional death. And I guess probably depression would sit in and you keep fighting. And I'm fighting for my life, my community's life, my grandchildren's life, for the future that I want to see. So that just keeps you fighting. And, and again, we have wins. Uh, one place I walked into one of our homes and these little brothers that are five and three, they run to me every time and, and say, hey, Miss Burton. Hi, Miss Burton. You know, there's a life in the life. Those little boys have a chance. The mother's going to school to become a healthcare worker. And she's going to have a chance to earn a salary that will sustain her and her two boys. So it's generational, intergenerational change that I see. So, I mean, that's enough to keep me going. Yeah, definitely. Just looking at future generations and creating that space so that they can have intergenerational prosperity, right? That they could actually be thriving for generations. Like, what does that look like? So I I appreciate that and appreciate the work that you're doing. And you mentioned leadership. And I'd love to hear about what you're doing in that space and working with people to make sure that they have the leadership skills and how they are then employing those skills and, and showing up in different spaces. Yeah. So locally, we have the Women Organizing for Justice and Opportunity. But nationally, we have the SAFE Project. And SAFE stands for Sisterhood Alliance for Freedom and Equality. And Nicole, over the last 20 years, I've gained a real expertise and skill set developing, developing, you know, re-entry homes and creating leadership development and organizing strategies that go within those homes. And so what I've done is I've created a training program for people to replicate our model. And, you know, I have a vision of a safe housing network throughout this nation that other people in their respective communities are welcoming people back into their community, implementing leadership and building a place for people to heal and to walk and stand and work with us to change everything. And I might be way off dreaming, but, you know, I have a dream and I have a steps towards that dream and a plan. And one of them is to have places for people to go all across this nation to return from their community to safety, to leadership, a place to belong, a place like a springboard to recreate their lives. If we don't do it, we can't look at, this is not the work of, of a government. It's the work of community. I hope to build into that support from our government. But these are our community members, our people, our children, our nieces, our nephews. And they belong with us and to us. 
And so that's a part of, I feel like, our responsibility. During the war on drugs, we got brainwashed. I mean, our folks got brainwashed into pushing our people away and demonizing them and finding them unworthy of investment. We got straight brainwashed as a nation. That tough on crime, that crack mama stuff, crack baby stuff, that super predator stuff, all of that. I say that there's penance for the nation, you know, for our penance for our leaders, our folks at the top. There's also penance for us to be a part of the reef and rehumanizing, rebirthing people of our community. What I want to say is that we kind of threw away in the class pecking system. There was a upper class of black folks that threw the lower class of black folks away. Did not demand investment. As a matter of fact, they demanded demonizing, criminalizing, and incarcerating a whole generation of people. We need to pay penance to and invest and rebuilding those people and those children's people and and recreating our, our nation's communities. And when you said, when you talk about brainwashing, that concept, it resonates with me. And I think it's just such an appropriate way to describe what has happened within our communities and I think just generally within society. And what I'm hearing and what I've seen about a New Way of Life is that it's a deliberate model to attack that brainwashing, right? That brainwashing that has caused divestment in certain people, in certain communities, and have said like you are lesser than, and so we're going to ignore, we're going to invisibilize you. And instead, a new way of life is stepping in and saying, actually, we are deliberately going to fight against that narrative and against that messaging and talking through, again, the different ways in which you all work. And I know you mentioned that you all are working in an emerging model. And I would love to hear about that model in particular. Why is it emerging? And then just hear more about your infrastructure and and the way you think about infrastructure, because you're doing a lot of really important, critical work, and you've been doing it sustainably for a very long time. You mentioned, you know, starting a new way of life based on your savings from a minimum wage job. And now a new way of life is a multi-million dollar nonprofit organization, right? That's been around for decades. So I would love to hear more about your emerging model, how you all are set up to do this work. How do you think about governance? How are you thinking about the structure of your organization to support all of the good work that you're doing? So when you think about, when I think about combating the narrative, that has been been set forth is that I don't merely have the level ability to communicate like they communicate and just directly attack that narrative. But what I do have is the ability to that narrative resonate with me as true and what I can do is invest where I can invest to create a different narrative and the outcomes of it itself will dispute, negate that narrative when there is an investment made. So maybe that's the way that I've been able to combat that narrative and then just personally standing up and showing something different, what 
what can be in this an investment in. You know, what I want to say is that I don't believe there are throwaway people. This nation, the way it works, throws away so many and that the cost is so high, not only in dollars, but in other ways that we could just do better as a nation. So we have the nonprofit infrastructure of a board of directors, and then we have the officers on the board. We do strategic planning. What I can say is that strategic planning, every time we do one, we exceed it tremendously. Along with the strategic planning, we develop work plans, and everybody exceeds the work plan. I guess when you have such dry ground, when you water it, everything comes up blooming, even though the ground is dry, but the ground is fertile. If someone would just water it. And then we have departments, we have the policy, the advocacy department, we have the housing department, we have fiscal management department, we're about to build in a human resources department. We have different departments across the organization organizing uh, the leadership department goes within the art organizing advocacy department. The legal department, the family unification services are within the legal department. We have our development department and we have a few development people on staff and we have our communications department and then our administration. And 25 years ago, did I think this was what it would be, I did not. But I did know that I deserved a chance and other women deserved a chance. I got a chance in a white community next to the beach that did invest in their people when there was a mistake made. And I took that model and I brought it back to South Day by day, the beat goes on. And then we have the Safe Housing Leadership Program the say, well, we, I don't call it a leadership program. I call it a replication program. And now we are in 14 states and we have replicated the model in 14 states. What I did is I developed a training program with support from UCLA and my communications department. We've trained three different cohorts, over a hundred people with the model. And out of those people, I've selected 18 people to replicate the program. And I've supported them. I've raised dollars to help them get started. And we have training modules. You know, every month we get on call and every month we're together sharing and taking different trainings and what have you to support them. You know, it's kind of like a new way of life was the support I wish I'd have had. Then I got released those six times for prison and it was never there. So I created the training program that we have for our replicators. It's the training that I wish somebody would have gave me when I started out. You know, I had to learn like any way that I could how to start, grow, and sustain an organization. And I think that if we're going to change this. We just have to get proactive. Mm-hmm. As you describe 
how a new way of life is set up and internally and how that structure then supports your work. It just, the theme that just keeps coming to mind for me is deliberateness, right? You're just deliberately building, deliberately seeing this is the change we want to see and this is what we're going after and you're creating an infrastructure to support it. So I hope everyone that's listening can see that the programmatic vision is always supported that really strong infrastructure as well, because you can't scale the way that you have without being able to say, we have the infrastructure to know that each and every time we show up in a different state, we can ensure that it's going to be consistent. The way we're working is consistent and we're going to engage the way that we have done in previous states. So I just think, again, it just shows and it's a testament to how deliberate a new way of life is being in, in both its building and as well as the work. And, you know, your responses, Susan, this entire conversation has been so transparent and so honest and powerful. And I want to ask you a question that I ask all of our guests to help us continue to build knowledge through books and people we should learn from or about to close us out. What book do you think we should read next? Or what artist do you think we should be paying attention to? So I hope all of the listeners today have read Coming This Burden. Coming This Burden is my memoir from prison to recovery to leading the fight for incarcerated women. But I just won't promote me. What was such has been such an eye opener for this nation is Michelle Alexander's book, The New Jim Crow. So I just can't say one. There's so many great books out there. But Monique Morris has a book called Push Out. And it's the story of how this happened so early in young black girls' lives that their potential begins to be smothered and distorted just because of who they are and what color they are. I think that book really describes a way what happens early on and how we need to intervene. Each one of us, that's the other thing, is that every day, every one of us can be a part of the change that we want to see. If we will act courageously on instinct, to make a better world, to give somebody an opportunity to invest somewhere and not be scared, not be frightened of the disappointment or the work that has to go into it. We can't afford not to. Mm-hmm. We are the ones that we've been waiting for. Yeah, I exactly. completely agree. And thank you so much for sharing these books. We will put them in the show notes so that people can start to read them and put them on their bookshelves as well. So thank you for that. And Susan, you have shared such knowledge, your own personal story, and just incredible insights that I think that leaders will be able to use going forward because we did a lot of storytelling for people whose stories have not been heard as much as they should have. And I appreciate that you brought all of that to bear during this conversation. And I think that leaders will be able to hear that and take your messages away, inform how they then build their own organizations and encourage them to build bravely. So again, thank you so much for your time and for joining us today.
As we wrap up this two-part series, we invite you to review your organization's infrastructure and ponder how you are currently structured for sustainability and community investment. Let us know your reflections and questions on our LinkedIn at BuildUp Advisory Group or on Twitter at NickIsBuildingUp. Additionally, if you are interested in partnering with a team to determine how your organization can build sustainably, assess your vision and mission, and how to invest in marginalized communities, then schedule a discovery call with the BuildUp team today. We will link the button in the show notes. Thank you for listening to this episode of Nonprofit BuildUp. To access the show notes, additional resources, and information on how you can work with us, please visit our website at buildupadvisory.com. We invite you to listen again next week as we share another episode about scaling impact by building infrastructure and capacity in the nonprofit sector. Keep building bravely.